0: Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. Now, here
1: are the Friars. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Antony Tinker, here with the Father Peter Jason McConnell. Hello,
2: hello. Good to be with you, Father.
1: And we are continuing from our 100th episode. We have a special guest with us, and it's so good to have you with us, uh, Bishop Olmstead.
0: Oh, thank you. Delighted to be with you. And we're just <laughs> so going to get good. right into and continue our conversation
1: that we began last time. Great. Kind of speaking of your time in Wichita, so you, you come back to the U.S. Yes. You take a sabbatical. Yes. And in particular, you study Native Americans. Yes. so I want to ask about that what inspired that and and what particularly what was did you learn or did you grow from in that time?
0: Yeah so after being in Rome for 16 and a half years, I really wanted to um, well I, I wanted to just be able to put Rome behind me. Uh, I, I was so grateful for everything there, but I was coming back to serve in a rural diocese of Lincoln, Nebraska mm-hmm. again so so coming back I, I really wanted to, to uh, first of all have six months of just prayer and silence. So I went to Conception Abbey. I went there because I knew it. I'd been there, uh, I'd wanted to go to seminary there. In fact, I requested that when I entered the seminary. Um, So I knew the the monks well, but I knew they had good libraries. I knew they they prayed all the hours of the day, including during the night. And I asked permission of them if I could live with them. And when they said I could, and do all the hours and everything with them, I was sure that was where I should be. Mm Um, I asked, once I got there, I asked if one of the, them would be my spiritual director and I asked another would be my mentor in terms of what I was reading. Mm. What just happened that he had just gotten back from being a missionary in Guatemala. So he'd worked with Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also had an really, really interest in Indians because the Italian people had a fascination with American Indians. Yeah, right? yeah. And a lot of the spaghetti Westerns were filmed yeah. <laughs> yeah. in Sicily and in other parts of Italy. Um, so that made me want to know more really about them because I really had not done a lot of reading before. Right. So I I dedicated two hours every day to Native American things. Wow. And then I could talk with this priest about it, this monk about it um, because he really had firsthand experience of it. So that was really, really helpful to me. Hmm. Yeah. And it made me realize that, there's such difference between tribes yeah, yeah, Um, and a difference between tribes that were in those areas where they, they were all driven off of them. And, and like in Kansas, Nebraska, where I grew up and here where you have people still living in the areas where they, Mm -hmm. their ancestors way back lived.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, so I learned a lot of things like that about it, but it, it did, it, it made me feel, um, more eager to, to have a chance to minister to those who were Native American. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, and then you were uh, assigned in the diocese for a brief time and then became a rector. Is that correct?
0: Correct. Yes. Yeah, so I came back from Rome after my six months in the monastery. Then I was a, a pastor for three years okay. in Seward, Nebraska. So it's only three years I was a pastor in a parish. <laughs> Glorious, how, glorious! And was that time? <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> and if you've never had a chance yet to be a pastor, yeah. it, it just is such a glorious, glorious thing. Yeah. So all all the you know the weddings, the funerals, mm. the uh, first communions, confirmations, mm-hmm. all of those things. I had four nursing homes. Wow. Uh, so every every Wednesday, I visited all those nursing homes. I had mass in one of them and took communion to all the others. Um, really loved doing that a lot. And was convinced that we had a we have a, um, a gold mine in the prayers of those who are older, the yeah. elderly yeah yeah, um, yeah. so um, I would give a certificate to every one of the elderly who would pray for vocations hmm. and it was incredible within no time, everyone in those nursing homes wanted to be praying for vocations oh, that's to the beautiful. priesthood yeah even the non-catholics
2: yeah
0: <laughs> yeah cuz you're there what are you going to do all day yeah but what if you have a mission that you're praying for mm-hmm. something um it was terrific yeah, yeah that's
2: incredible yeah. yeah that's really that's really great so
0: um of the f- time that I was there two of my altar boys now are priests um and that's their fr- it's the fruit of their prayers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that
1: yeah and then how, what was it like getting a call to be a rector <laughs>
0: Um, well, I got a call from the nuncio because, um, the Pontifical College Josephinum uh is the only pontifical seminary, um, outside of Rome. So, um, he was the one who made all the appointments of anybody. So he, he called, um, and asked if I would be willing to be on the faculty. And, um... I said, well, I just got here three years ago. (laughs) Um, So you'd have to ask my bishop about that. Um, And would you say yes if he said yes? And I said, I would. Um, So that's how I ended up going to the Josephina. Wow. And how long were you there? I was there um, six years. I wasn't rector to begin with. I was a director of... um, of personal formation, um, which was really fortunate. Uh, What had happened was uh, Pastoros Abobobos was coming Mm -hmm. out and it had called for um, more emphasis on, um, well, formation around the four major pillars um, of of formation. and, and, And that you should have a priest directing personal formation in charge of all of that. They had a psychologist who was doing that before that, mm. so to have a priest doing that, I think, made a lot of sense. Right. And I was, I, I really felt it was providential too that the very year that I took that over was the year that Pastor Stubble was was f- issued. So I actually had a chance to explain it to all the faculty, yeah, and to all the students, and to put everything in terms of formation around those those uh, four pillars of our yeah. formation. Um, so it was a great opportunity uh in that and then after 3 years i was asked to be a rector
1: wow mm-hmm. and how was the time what was that like
0: um it was it was a wonderful wonderful experience um it had its challenges uh, for sure um the um well, it was a large place there were college seminary and theology both uh there was some dissent among some members of the faculty mm-hmm. there yet um and um um so i i, I learned how to um well I, I learned how to speak up in faculty meetings and things like that yeah um so like there was a a kind of an animus against uh, those who were pro-life um but my second week there i started praying in an abortion clinic and so i remember the first time it came up in a a faculty meeting um a criticism of students who would go actually go there that would dare to go to those things and Mm. now that was so divisive in the community and all that that was what was being said yeah so uh, it was my second week on the faculty so I took a deep breath and I said, well, I was down praying there this morning or yesterday morning rather. And um, what I saw was um, we all were there at mass together. Uh, half of us uh, walked to the abortion places and walked around it four or five times and then walked back to the church. The other stayed in the church and just did adoration the whole time. So I said, there wasn't anything like screaming or all the way it's depicted. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was people who were really concerned about women yeah. and their, their unborn children uh, and primarily centering it around prayer. Um, so uh, there were times like that when I, I, I knew I was thinking different than some other members of the faculty mm-hmm. that were there. Um, but I was glad that happened early on, <laughs> later, <laughs> because... Once you once you make a statement about something, it really helps people know where you stand. Yeah. Right. Then you have honest conversations. Yeah. Uh, and without that, you don't even have honest conversations. Yeah. 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 That's so true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then, as your rector, you get called by the nuncio again to be the bishop of Wichita, Kansas.
0: What was that like? <laughs> well, first of all, it's it's he didn't call me; I called him. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so. So that's rather unusual. Yeah. So what had happened was we had a change of nuncios. So Kachavayan was called back over and uh, then he was replaced. And the new nuncio, uh, he was the one that I had to contact to get faculty members appointed. So here I am, I'm the rector. The, the um, announcements made that there's going to be a change of, of uh, a nuncios here. And that takes three months. So I remember calling him in like the middle of February. Um, and I'd been waiting to get appointments because mm-hmm. you know getting faculty members is not an easy thing to do. Yeah. You have to beg bishops and religious superiors <laughs> to release them and all of that. Yeah. So I called him and I've got this whole list of things. Uh, and I had never met him yet. He just came to this country. And before I could say anything, he says, Pope John Paul II has appointed you uh, the <laughs> apostolic. Uh, the
2: conversation <laughs> took a turn.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I just was frozen. And he said, are you still there? <laughs> I said, yes, but and I'm still looking at my all these things. I, I said, "But, but I called you about the faculty. <laughs> he said, well, John Paul II has appointed you to be coadjutor bishop of Wichita. Do you accept? <laughs> I said, um, "I need. I need to be able to at least have a night to pray about this and think about this. This is just a total, complete yeah. surprise." Yeah. And I said, "Can I please have at least one night?" So he said, "Yes, but remember that you should see this." Uh, coming from the Holy Father is something that's primarily like obedience. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, yeah. so I go to chapel and I, I say to the Lord, well, if there's some reason why I should not be a bishop, then let me know that so I can say no to him. If not, um, I'll say yes mm. because of that thing of obedience that yeah. he, the way he, yeah. he explained it to me. So that's how I ended up saying yes to being Bishop of Wichita. Wow. Wow. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: (laughs) It doesn't happen usually that (laughs) way.
1: And how long were you in Wichita?
0: I was four and a half years there.
1: Okay. Okay. And how was that time?
0: Uh, It was really good. Uh, For one thing, Bishop Gerber, my predecessor, was a very holy man. Mm. And he was a really good Bishop. Uh, So, I often said that I was in formation work a lot of the time. I was a priest, but the best formation I ever had was working under him as a bishop because wow. you don't have that. As a, as a new bishop, you often just get thrown right. a, yeah. you know, out into the fray. Right. So being with him was really a huge, huge help. Um, right away, he said to me, I'm going to give you two things right away to have be fully in charge of. And then other things, when you feel you're ready, just let me know. And I'll happily hand those over to you. Except, he said, appointments of of the priests and the financial appointments. So the main governance things. Um, So that made a lot of sense to me Hmm. to do that. Um, So um, right away, the two areas I had to take over was um, hospitals and uh, universities. Okay. Um, which are kind of hotbeds of places where you have yeah. descent from religious and that kind yeah. of thing right. often. But obviously, my experience at the Josephinum, which was a seminary setting where I was dealing with uh, faculties and all, was a big help for for that. And we had a Catholic university, the Newman University, um, that I dealt with, and um, that was a good experience uh, because we we just had. Um, uh, excordia ecclesiae come out from john paul ii which is the document on the identity and mission of catholic universities yeah. so i just gave him a presentation from john paul ii so it was a good way to begin so they knew exactly what i thought and they knew mm-hmm. what john paul ii thought uh, and then the other was the hospitals and um so i spent a lot of time trying to get to know them that was more complicated to do um mm. But we had some really strong doctors, Catholic doctors when I was there. And uh, I, start, I, I made a point of, of getting to know them and then kind of uniting them together mm. uh, because they needed to be supported yeah. to really uh, live according to the church's teaching. So that was wonderful, the, those, those Catholic docs were superior. Mm. Um, one of them, his brother became a bishop, Wow. And was had been a seminarian actually, at Josephine. When I was oh, on the, wow. there, wow. so that was helpful. Yeah, Dr. Brangard. Um So I uh, those were really good experiences there. But the, the best part of being a bishop was was you know having mass with the people, doing confirmations, mm-hmm. and um, just being with the people themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then. All of a sudden, the, the nuncio <laughs> calls this time, or did you call him? <laughs> no, this time he called me. <laughs> the nuncio calls, and you are uh, invited, I don't know what the right word is, uh, appointed yeah, to come
0: to Phoenix. So he says, uh, uh, John Paul II would like you to be the to take over in Phoenix. He said, it, it has to happen quickly, mm.
1: um,
0: because the bishop there uh, had to resign He's going to be uh, on trial here uh, in Arizona beginning uh, the 6th of January. We would like to have the bishop in place by then. Mm. So this was the end of November. Wow. So um, I, I said yes. I mean, mm. it was obvious that yeah. uh, it was a huge need. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know anybody here at all. I didn't yeah. know any of the priests here. And so that gave me a freedom in a way too, to come in and make decisions where it's harder to do it if you would have really close friends among you instead. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And obviously, I mean, we could probably talk a long
1: time about your time here at Phoenix. Um, I I think I just want to ask a few questions. Yes. One are, what what were um, some of the greatest joys if you can look back and it's probably a hard answer to, I don't want to, obviously there's a lot of them, so I don't want to, yeah. anybody who's not getting mentioned, I don't want to feel <laughs> and them to feel excluded, but obviously yeah. there's been some some great joys uh, since you've been here. Are there any that really just stand out off the top of your mind of, wow, these were some of the just greatest joys yeah. of my time in Phoenix?
0: Well, it's it's always a joy to celebrate the sacraments, yeah. mm. always. Yeah. And it's such a privilege to be ordained priest. Mm. that's such a huge, huge privilege. So your spiritual fatherhood as a bishop is most, I think, there as you're retaining others who begin to do that as well. Yeah. So that would be one of the things. Yeah. Another thing is that I really uh, have always had a great love for religious life. Um, like when I went to the monastery, I always said I I always loved monastic life, but I never felt called to monastic life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when I arrived here, we had hardly any um we had, a, we had no mother houses no provincial houses of mm-hmm. any religious at all mm-hmm. so it was a great poverty here so getting to have uh, to, to get communities convincing them to come and serve here yeah. which I did a lot of yeah. during that time yeah. um was a real joy to see that happen and then see what difference it made mm-hmm. in schools yeah. and parishes and other Catholic organizations yeah. just such a huge huge difference yeah, well, thanks so for that. yeah, those would be yeah. some of the joys. Yeah.
1: Well, speaking of of the sacraments, you you've made a, a decision that I'm pretty pretty sure every Christmas and every Easter you would celebrate Christmas and Easter Mass at prisons. That's correct. W- what led to that decision?
0: Well, actually, the re- the reason I did it right at the very beginning was because Bishop O'Brien had done that at Christmas time. Oh. Okay. So I was installed on the twentieth of December. Yeah. And I was told that it's what he did. So I said, great. I'd love to do that. Yeah. When I was rector of the seminary in, in, in Ohio, I used to go up and hear confessions in Spanish at a local prison there, where they had a great chaplain, but he didn't know Spanish. So that had made me very familiar with going into prisons and all. And then when I was bishop in Wichita, I did a lot of work in prisons, including during retreats in prisons. Hmm. Um, so uh, knowing that he had been going there made made so much sense to me.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, and it's hardly a harder time to be in prison than christmas day because wow. you're not able to be with your wife and children yeah. Yeah. um or your husband yeah whatever yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah so it's really really a tough day for them so i i really i've always kept that up yes
1: yeah. wow um and then uh, just a personal interest, because just on the sacraments topic, there's certain things a bishop can do that a priest can't do. One of those, you mentioned uh, ordaining others, but one is consecrating an altar. Can I just ask what it's like yes. to consecrate a church and consecrate an altar?
0: Yeah, that is that is a great, great um, gift, blessing to be able to do. Um, the bride itself is so full of um, nuptial language. Yeah. Wow and so because the altar is the place of sacrifice yeah so it, it it's where where the bridegroom lays down his life for the bride wow. and all of that and the, the prayers call all of that to mind hmm. and then all the use of the incense rising up uh, from there and all of the you, know, you use a, a large amount of the uh, chrism yeah um, so that the aroma fills the whole so wow. you not only have the the incense but the aroma as well and then the other thing is, which I'm so, so grateful for, is that so many of our pastors have really worked hard to build beautiful churches yeah. mm. or renovate other churches and improve them. Yeah, well, That's a great gift for, for yeah. the people right. themselves.
1: Yeah. And
0: I've been happy to see it happening on the Indian Reservation as well. Mm-hmm. We're so grateful for that happening. Amen. Amen.
1: And speaking of religious and the native reservation. <laughs> uh so a part of your time your bishop was, you know, um getting a new religious community, a new uh Cleric, public association of the faithful, the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, and I just want to get your perspective on that. Uh, I know for for me, meeting with you on April seventeenth of two thousand fifteen is a a day I'll never forget. But uh, I, I would like to hear it from your your side of the story, your brain. What it is like having this group of uh, you know ragamuffins uh, make their way into your your yeah. office on April seventeenth, two of thousand
0: fifteen? Well, I really had a deep sense it was an answer to prayer. Mm. Yeah because i've been praying that when father rice because he was we knew his he was turning 75 yeah and his religious community would not allow him to stay on in leadership or at that at that stage so that was going to be happening it seemed like you know i've been praying for a religious community to, to be on the reservation but i never Realized how close he was going to that, I would need that because when he said he was going to have to retire, and it broke his heart too because he loved working with the native people, and he was such a great example. He was a missionary himself, Mm -hmm. Um, so then to have the group of you show up, uh, there was something exciting about it. uh, How all of it came about and all was a little confusing, (laughs) but but still there was something. Because it was a, I mean, one of the key things was evangelization of the native peoples. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was exactly, that was the, the prayer I was always praying, that we would have somebody to do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so it, it sounded like God was very much at work in all of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, But, you know, when God is at work in it, the devil isn't happy about that at <laughs> all. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you can be sure that there's going to be hardships that are going to come yeah. and the, the devil is going to throw all well, kinds okay. of confusing things. Yeah, yeah.
1: things so so I'm just going to kind of randomly throw a lot of questions and I'm going to ask Father to <laughs> do the, priest, sure you the same ones that I'm interested in, yeah. ones that hopefully the people are interested in but you have had the privilege of naming each of us yeah. Um, yeah. so far in the community what is that process like for you to first sit down, so for those that don't know we present three names to, to, uh, to Bishop uh, and then he would read through those names and he would pray through them and then he would make his decision and sometimes he would take a gay man's first choice sometimes it's second, sometimes it's third really depending on, on the men um, what was that process like for you to first, first sit there and hear those names and then to, prayer, to prayerfully make that decision?
0: Well, it's a big thing. I mean, our names are very important to yeah. us. Yeah. And to get a new name, I think, has a lot of meaning for religious life. Mm-hmm. I realize that a lot of communities don't do that now, but I think there's a lot of meaning to it. So mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's not something I took lightly at all. I also really like the fact that uh, from the beginning, you yourselves would think about what might be a name that you would have an interest in Mm -hmm. and even write out the reasons for that and then come and speak to me about it. That was really helpful. Um, Because I think we always think of not only the name we'll we'll have ourselves, but who are the patron saints here that's going to be praying for us and that, that inspires us in that. And um, and, and then t- to hear you talk about why you put these down, like I still remember Father Peter Teresa, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Yeah, that um, I'll never forget that. <laughs> you, Please walk us, through, walk us through that yeah. since he's here with us. So yeah. tell us about that experience. Well, you know, because I had met Mother Teresa and yeah. because yeah. I just had such a love for her yeah. Yeah. and serving the poorest of the poor, yeah. coming to serve the native peoples who, who have poverty as every c- culture has poverty, mm-hmm. It just made sense to me that it was there, but the fact that it already had a great meaning to you, yeah. Um, so I had no doubt that was going to be <laughs> somewhere in your name. Thanks be to God.
2: <laughs> Thanks be to God. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, with yours, Father Anthony, was the fact that um, your your father <clears throat> um, is is he Michael Anthony? It's John Anthony? John Anthony. Yeah so that was very significant and mm-hmm. Anthony tying all the way back to the the great uh, father of monasticism mm-hmm. Anthony in the in the desert yeah. um that made so much sense to me too I love the combination with your dad and with mm. uh Anthony so it's it's just sitting with that and saying does this does this sound like something that the Holy Spirit's moving in
1: right.
0: to propose to me yeah um so yeah, that's kind of how it works.
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
0: But that's it's, beautiful. It's, it's an exciting time in a way. Yeah. Yes, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard for parents. <laughs> <laughs> you Usually guys would know that way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
2: That's great. And then you've also had just the great privilege, and we've had the great privilege of you celebrating our, our vows and receiving the vows for for the members of our community and and I'm sure you know laying your hands on a young man and ordaining him and anointing his hands but then having the experience of of having a young man put his hands into your hands and embracing his hands like that and then you know receiving his vows on behalf of God in the church what what has that been like for you as as a bishop because I don't think not all that's not something all bishops get
0: to experience <clears throat> yeah it's it's a great pr- great privilege <clears throat> i would say especially for your community it's very moving for me emotionally mm-hmm. moving for me in terms of spiritual fatherhood because um i keep in touch with all of you so well mm-hmm. and you've done a real good job of, of keeping me informed all along the way from the first time somebody expresses an interest to are coming to visit then discerning whether we'll receive them as a candidate yeah. so by the time you get to there yeah um it's, it's very moving. Um, yeah. And uh, just, you know, you're aware that history is really shaped by God working through religious. Mm. And um, every one of these religious started it one day when they made their vows. Wow. Uh, yep. So the, that whole notion of the vow, you know, before God... Um, it's so powerful and in an age when there's so much disobedience and not an appreciation yeah. of of being true to one's vows mm-hmm. um it's, it's such a great counter witness to what's upside down in society mm-hmm. Yeah. so it's yeah. a great privilege for me yeah no it was, it was a privilege
2: for for us as well um you know to have you there for that and, and to be our our father through that um and and I remember, my, personally, just my reflection of the day that you established us as a community. And I just said, this is, these are all the things that a father does, that you gave us a home, um, you gave us a name, uh, you clothed us with a habit, uh, and then you fed us with the Eucharist. And so it was just, and then just your, your spiritual fatherhood for us and for all the other guys throughout has just been um, su- such a gift, such a, such a privilege.
1: And I still <laughs> meditate upon your homily from that day, from uh, a quote from Flannery O'Connor, Yes. That
2: saints are odd. Yes. You
1: know, odd in awed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that we have to be odd, you know, in both of those ways uh from, you know, in the midst of this world. So yeah. I think is you know such a such a beautiful reflection upon religious life.
2: Mhm.
0: Well, I love Flannery O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, um from the first time I heard the truth is odd. Yeah. Which is one of her great quotes. Yeah. Um I, I really like that, but then I, re- I was I was praying to, during Holy Hour one day, and it struck me odd. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's there's more than one way to yeah hear that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, and yeah. both make a lot of sense for mm-hmm. especially religious life. Yes, <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
1: Well, well I, I also find it providential that I mean you, you you didn't even know. But there you were in Rome, deciding on a doctorate dissertation, kind of going back in time. And you said, you know, I'm going to study religious life, you know, and and the canon law and religious life, which as a Dawson priest, you know, wouldn't, you know, not necessarily applicable. But at the same time, the Holy Spirit was inspiring and you just knew. uh, It
0: was my bishop who told me to do that. Mm -hmm. Really? Okay. Yes, because he was founding a new religious community, the School Sisters of Christ the King in the Diocese of Lincoln. And so he said um i would really like you to to you know do all you can to learn about religious life um and we need we you know if you know canon law well but other things too in that regard would be really helpful for us yeah so each year that i was starting the year that i got sent to rome to do canon law studies the first three women left from the University of Nebraska to start what became the School Sisters of Christ the King. And each summer after I finished a year of graduate studies, I would come back to um, the mother house of the Immaculate Heart of Mary sisters who were training them to be sisters. And I would teach um, Introduction to the New Testament Mm. in the summers there to get to know them and for them to get to know me. Mm -hmm. So I, I had a little connection there of starting a religious community um, I wasn't starting it, but I was right. helping Bishop Flavin to bring that into being. Wow! Yeah, oh, that's fascinating. Yeah.
2: Beautiful.
1: Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to our hundred first podcast. As a blessing of <laughs> Bishop Olmsted on here for <laughs> for these two episodes to hear his story, um, and hear all about his vocation, his time as bishop, and hear about Father Peter Teresa's name. So, uh, yeah, God amen. bless you, Mother Teresa. Uh, for your intercession upon Thanks, us there you go. Um, and again please subscribe to our podcast um, please share our podcast and please uh, come to our website faith, and sign up for our uh, our email please like our podcast um, and, uh, and 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 hear more about us and our community especially once again any young men we would love to hear from you uh, to learn more about our community our ministry and the ministry we're doing with the native peoples um, and so we have our we always bishop in with a fun question like we did last time so Father Petri it's your turn to ask Bishop a, a fun question <laughs> end our 101st episode does it
2: has to be a fun question or can i <laughs> i'm feeling a little more reflective and uh i want to just drink in all the wisdom i can uh, oh but, please but uh just just so inspired by your story bishop and and just hearing everything that you um just just so so many different experiences of just where you grew up and and then um going to rome and um, serving as a, as a pastor and a canon lawyer and, and a bishop and, and a rector and all these different things and and then just coming of age in a time where the church was um, and in confusion and so um I guess my my question is just any any just spiritual just advice for for persevering through spiritual confusion uh, for people who might be listening who might be feeling that way or, or concerned about these things and just how to how to persevere in, in times like
0: that. Yeah, very good question. I, th- I think uh, I might just say, uh, was St. Faustina has us in the Divine Mercy doing, mm-hmm. Jesus, I trust in you. Mm. Um, I, I think um, we also should say, Father, I trust in you. Because mm. uh, yeah. the prayer of abandonment starts with Father and ends with Father. Yeah. And we have such a need to, to know we're beloved sons and daughters of God. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think we should trust that God knows what he's doing, that he placed us here at this time in history. Yeah. It's not an accident at all. The very second verse of the catechism says that um, in every time, in every place, God draws near to each human person. Yeah. And he does every single day. He does no matter where he's placed us or where we find ourselves. And no matter what mess we've made of our life at certain points, mm-hmm. uh, he's great at fixing messes. And um, he has ways of surprising us with how we can even grow from mistakes we make. Um, so I think that would be the, the main thing. is No matter what we're in, just Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. Heavenly Amen. Father, I trust in you. Yeah, Thank you.
1: Is there maybe a, a spiritual work or a book you'd recommend to someone who is maybe struggling with that? that that ability to trust that ability to abandon themselves to the lord
0: mm. well um the prayer of abandonment i would highly recommend yeah. I, th- I think every phrase in there is is uh we can relate it's it's mm. a simple prayer but it's profound yeah um so yeah i, I think i would just just uh, keep it Stay simple. with the prayer I love
2: it. I love yeah it. well if i can just just indulge me one more time. Maybe I'll ask another, maybe this would be my fun question, but uh, just on the on the book kind of theme, you know, I know you're a great uh, avid reader and you mentioned you're a Flannery O'Connor fan. And so I'm wondering if you have a, uh, a favorite novel um, or maybe a few favorite novels. Maybe it's yeah. hard to pick just one, but.
0: Um. <clears throat> wow. Um, I would say um, Island of the World would be mm. my favorite novel. Wow. Very closely followed by uh, the father's tale.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: That, is that your fa- second favorite uh, Michael O'Brien work?
0: I think so. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, okay. I'm just halfway through as of last night his most recent book, by the Rivers of Babylon. Okay. Okay. About, uh, yeah, and
2: this is Michael O'Brien, the Catholic novelist. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I just find his um, novels really speak to. Um, God at work in our lives mm-hmm. and the the horrible suffering that comes from our the failure to do that mm-hmm. and the amazing ways that God's providence can still be at work in very, very painful and difficult situations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: We might have to have you back, Bishop, and just do a podcast on Michael O'Brien books because we <laughs> we, to, we have a we, freaking conversation. Yeah, no, we, we we love his books. I as think well. both of
1: us have talked about Island of the Worlds, our favorite, but my second favorite is The Lighthouse. Yeah, and I think your second favorite is also Father's Tale. Or am uh, I? No,
2: I mean Father's Tale is one of my favorites for sure. It's hard to rank them, but yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, so
0: yeah, yeah, love love them, love them all really. So
1: well, thank you all so much for <laughs> listening. Um, and Bishop, would you mind giving us your blessing?
0: Yes. Well, may Almighty God bless all of you, our listeners and your families, and those especially in need of God's mercy. They may He strengthen you in faith and hope and charity and fill you with the joy of the gospel. May God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.
2: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www. Dot become faith That's dot
1: F-A-I-T-H. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3
0: charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. slash give. That's become faith slash give. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.